Welcome in on this Wednesday morning. It's Sports Decaf, and it's your boy, Tariq Abdullah. What's up, guys? It's your boy, Tariq Fatul. So for today, we got some Luke Walton talk. The Kings have hired him as their head coach. We can get more into that later on in the show. The 2019 NBA regular season is also in the books. We're going to talk about our greatest moment of the 2019 season. Russell Wilson getting the bag, highest paid player in the league. And Tiger Woods is officially back, ladies and gentlemen. And we're going to talk about arguably one of the greatest comebacks in sports history. But to start off the day, NBA playoffs have been hot. It's been nice. It's been a good, you know, two games in. So the question of the day I ask you, my brother, is which team is in the biggest panic mode? I mean, I think anyone just watching last night, they can testify. I think it's OKC. I mean, you look at this team. This team is down 2-0. Russell Westbrook, I mean, for as much as I love him, he had a horrible shooting night last night. And this OKC team could not shoot the ball to save their life. I mean, 10 for 61 over the last two games. Damian Lillard has nine made threes. The whole OKC team only has 10. So this team cannot shoot the ball. And we knew that heading into the playoffs. But we did not expect it to be at this rate. I mean, shooting, what, around 16%, not being able to hit open threes. And you got a guy – and that kind of forces a guy like Russell Westbrook to try to shoot more shots and whatnot – and it's bad. I, I mean, B, uh, Billy Donovan, you also got to do a better job with play calling, get someone like Paul George to get more shots, be more aggressive and whatnot. But other than that, I mean, I feel like it's OKC. And then on the other side, I mean, I know Philadelphia won last, uh, won the other night, but I'm looking at them and Joel Embiid, his, his health is a question. This guy was on the phone, on the bench, and we can get into that later. But, I mean, his knee is, his knee is definitely hurting him, and we don't know how long that's going to hold up in, throughout the remainder of the playoffs. This team is good enough to win a series, but I don't know if they can win the second round. If they play – if it's, it's probably going to be Toronto. If they play against Toronto, I don't have them going beating Toronto. I do not have them beating Toronto. Joel Embiid does not look healthy. Ben Simmons is not a viable threat. I know he played better the second game, but that first game just blew, blew my mind. Other than that, I mean, I look at OKC in the West and I look at Philadelphia in the East. Yeah, so for for Philadelphia, I look at it more as they entered the playoffs in panic mode. I mean, you look at Ben Simmons. I mean, the whole floor is open when he's at the three-point line. You have guys, they play in the paint. No one really moves up to guard them. So I feel like that's been a problem heading into the playoffs. But in terms of panic mode, I mean, OKC is looking at, you know, the possibility of firing Billy Donovan at the end of the season if he doesn't get things together. I mean, the way they lost, you know, the Trailblazers, they lose their third best player. You have a guy like Cantor who arguably won that guy, won that game for the Blazers. So that to begin with is just a sad thing for, you know, the Oklahoma City team because, you know, you bring in Paul George who committed his, you know, arguably the rest of his prime to OKC. You got a guy like Westbrook who plays hard, you know, game in, game out. You have a guy like Steven Adams who's going to be here for a while. So your big three is, you know, pretty much it's the second year they've been assembled together, and they've they've gotten nothing done in OKC. And I think a lot of this a lot of this blame can be on Russell Westbrook. I mean, I feel like now he's starting to become one of those guys who's just a regular season player. You know, he puts up those numbers in the regular season, but it doesn't necessarily contribute to playoff basketball. I mean, he's done nothing when Kevin Durant was out. He was outplayed last year in the playoffs by Donovan Mitchell. So, I mean, it's coming to a point, you know, is Westbrook a guy who can really take a team over the competitive edge? Because the way it's looking right now, I don't think he's that guy. I don't think he's the man of the show. Um, I, I agree with you on this aspect. And like you, you're talking to a Russell Westbrook stand. So, I mean, and I'll be realistic. He, he, in order for OKC to, to win a championship, Russell Westbrook has, has to be the second best player on the team. And 
Russell Westbrook, I don't agree with you on this. He, I don't think he's a regular season guy because if you look at two years ago, I mean, the man averaged 38 in, in the first round against Houston. I know they didn't win that game, but averaged 30, he averaged a 38-point triple-double. So we, he's, not, he's not a Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry had zero points in the first game of the playoffs. Russell Westbrook's going to show up and do his thing. I think the only question with him is, are you going to be able to control yourself? Can you control your game? Can you make shots? Because, I mean, we didn't say anything about Russell Westbrook the first game in the series yeah. whenever uh, against, against Portland. He had a really good game, 24-point triple-double. He was shooting well from the field, getting to the lane, getting, get, uh, excuse me, getting to the free throw line. He had, a pretty, he had a pretty good game. I think, it, I think of it like this. He had a bad shooting night, and Paul George had a horrible shooting night the first game as well. So I feel like they just flipped sides. And, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. This OKC team just cannot shoot. I think that's the, that's the whole issue. They cannot shoot, and their offense is too stagnant. Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, I'm going to go ahead and say it on the book. Uh, excuse me, say it on the books. These guys can shoot the ball, and they can play. I mean, I've overlooked, I've overlooked Portland throughout the whole season, and I especially look, overlooked Portland whenever they lost Yusuf Nurkic. But, I mean, C.J. McCollum is a baller. He will score on anyone. I mean, I look at – Multiple possessions when Paul George is trying to guard him, lock him up. And Paul George is one of the premier defenders in the in the NBA. And CJ McCollum will do a crossover hezzy, go left, and hit a floater right on Paul George. And it's like it's great defense, but CJ McCollum is just, is he he's a bad dude. I mean, he could score the ball. Same thing with Damian Lillard. I mean, Russell Westbrook will be guarding him. His hands down. Damian Lillard will be like, he'll, he'll take advantage of that hand down, man down, hit a deep three. And that's that's the story this of this Portland tre- uh, this Portland team is that they can shoot the ball. Myers Leonard, I've seen him hit a, hit a few threes. Seth Curry, I mean, one of the best three point shooters in the league. Damian Lillard, excuse me, Damian Lillard is is he's a threat heading heading into the half court setting. I mean, Sage McCollum, same thing. Their whole team is full of shooters. Alfred Camino can shoot the ball as well. He can defend. This team is well constructed. Terry Scotts, a former Dallas Maverick assistant. I mean, he's doing a great job in Portland as well. But I mean, other than that, I mean, this team is well constructed, and it looks like it looks like OKC just has some ball players. I like I like their nucleus of four with Schroeder, Westbrook, Paul George, and Stephen Adams. But it's you got to get your other guys to step in. I mean, Jeremy Grant. I don't think he hit a three the whole game. Same thing with Terrence Ferguson. I know he hit a three, but I mean, he sh- he shot around eight or nine. Uh, other than that, they don't have any depth. I think they have a, a an eight man rotation, and it's it's not good. I like what Morris brings to the bench, but they definitely got to be able to utilize him a little more, especially in post up actions. Nerlens Noel got to be able to use him better on the defensive end of the side. But other than that, I mean, this OKC team, unless they can shoot the ball better, it's looking like they might lose the series. I think OKC should try to fit in an adjustment with Nerlens Noel and Stephen Adams, because I think when you have those two dogs in the paint, it's a problem for any team. I mean, there's been games in the season where they kept Nerlens Noel in, you know, late in the game over Steven Adams simply because of the problem he gives other guys. <laughs> he's a really athletic big who's battled injuries throughout his career. And he's a better shot blocker yeah. than Steven Adams. <laughs> he, he was a phenomenal shot blocker coming out of college until he got injured. But overall, Nerlens Noel is one of those guys who's really, you know, he's starting to make his way in the league. You know, he battled injuries way throughout. You know, he suffered a gruesome leg injury in college towards ACL which dropped his draft stock a little bit. But, I mean, he's starting to get back to his regular form. So I think OKC, their issue is with this team is they tend to get desperate and they tend to make that, you know, late run push always at the end of the games. They don't play as hard in the beginning. I feel like if you're going to play against this Portland team who can, you know, get high at any moment, we saw, you know, Seth Curry start the run in the third quarter. I mean, you got to play hard from, you know, first to fourth quarter. These late game runs, they just don't cut it come playoff basketball. 
And I think OKC is in desperation now. It's a must-win game three and four because I don't I don't see this Portland team losing at home, which is also one of the hardest stadiums to play in. You got Damian Lillard, who's just been way too hot. You got C.J. McCollum, who can't be stopped in 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 the mid-range jumper. I mean, those push-offs, like <laughs> you God, said. This guy. I mean, it's not even the three ball that's killing them. It's those mid-range step-back jumpers. You've got Seth Curry, who's also hot. I mean, this this team is for real. I think they can make they can give a hard time to absolutely anyone in the playoffs the way that they're playing. I don't think they're going to make a finals run. I still think OKC has a chance to pull it off. But if they lose game three, it's over. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's absolutely over. There's no coming back. Game three or four, if they lose one of those, Portland's coming with the momentum, and they're closing it out. And and one thing to OKC's, uh, OKC's advantage is Chesapeake Arena is a hard place to play in as well. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 what they got to bank on. But I also want to talk about this team. I mean, this team is obviously the favorite to win the whole thing with Golden State, but they just lost Boogie Cousins. And I know in this first-round series that it might not mean that much, you know, because I, I know – don't no disrespect to the Los Angeles Clippers, but, you know, they're going to be able to beat this team. Yeah. I, and and I think I said it either I did not say it on this podcast I said it on my friend Ryan's podcast I said you know the Clippers are a team that can give you a run for your money make one game close and that's what they did they came back and and stole a game in uh, in Oracle Arena but I mean heading into the second round and it's looking like they're probably going to play Houston without Boogie Cousins I mean I know this team is still going to be the same team but how dangerous is this team going to be whenever they're in that second round playing against Houston no, I think definitely Houston, the worst time that OKC wants to play them, I mean, uh, Golden State Warriors would be in the second round. I mean, they're looking healthy. They're looking good. I mean, it's it's definitely going to be a tough one. It's even it's going to be tougher now simply because Boogie Cousins is down. They lost JaVale McGee, let's keep in mind. He's with the Lakers now. Andrew Bogut, I know they signed him. He got Defensive Player of the Year in Australia or whatever it is. But he's not the same Andrew Bogut. I mean, their only guy who's – who can really, you know, have some sort of impact on Clint Capella would be Kavon Looney, and I don't think that's enough. I don't. I don't. I think they might go ahead and just play a small ball lineup. They might even. They might start Draymond at center. Yeah. Or no. I, I, okay. I take I, that I back. I could see a Draymond at center. I think that'd be the best fit. I still think okay because what the Warriors have traditionally done is that they're gonna they're gonna have Andrew Bogut started out, but then whenever I think a few minutes into it, that's when they start subbing guys out, and it's usually a small ball after that. But I mean. DeMarcus Cousins gave them another element to their game. And, I mean, he was someone that was able to post. They never really had a, a great post a post presence. No disrespect Kevin Durant. He's a great scorer, but I, he was never that post presence for that Warriors team. But DeMarcus Cousins was a post uh, a post presence, someone who could set screens. And now in that Warriors, that Warriors system, the big man's not rolling. No, no, no. DeMarcus Cousins can pop. He can stretch the floor. He's a great passer, great rebounder, run the floor and everything. They just lost the element to their game. And, I mean, it sucks for the Golden State Warriors, but I got to say this. It's kind of flipped. I mean, if you look at the Golden State Warriors throughout their whole runs of, of championships, they've kind of got lucky with some injuries. Kawhi Leonard got injured. Chris Paul with his injury. I mean, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love with their injuries. You, I mean, Boogie Cousins, the first time whenever they played New Orleans last year, he was injured as well. They've had a long list of guys that got injured, which has kind of helped them out to win a championship. So now it's... For from me as a as a as a perspective, as I, I want to see a change in terms of NBA titles. It's good to see. No disrespect uh, to Draymond, Gre- excuse me, to Demarcus Cousins. I hope he gets back healthy and whatnot. But if I, if I if I'm against the Warriors, this is a good sign to see. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna blame the Warriors on this Demarcus Cousins injury. I mean, the guy comes back off of an Achilles injury, which is a good eight to ten months to recover from. You know, he hurt himself 
prior to the playoffs. Yeah, prior to the playoffs last season. And, I mean, you rush him back, you know, in February when he was expected before the season started to, you know, initially come back by playoff time. I think that was the wrong thing to do. I think they should have rushed him back, you know, maybe late March, That's the thing. early April. They, I think they, they kind of force, no, forced they, his return. I, I, I disagree with you because there was points at Christmas time when DeMarcus Cousins was looking extremely healthy. He was playing five-on-five, five, killing people apparently. And he was begging coaching staff to let him play. And they were like, no, man, you cannot play. It's Christmas. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's December. Why would, you, why would you want to play? And then it got to a point. It's like, okay, this guy has definitely sped past his recovery time. And it's February. I mean, you, you might as well play now. And I think I don't think the, the Golden State Warriors, they're so they're such a good team. It's like I, I don't feel like they have to rush a guy to come back. Maybe if this was New Orleans, a team that would be trying to make a playoff push, they would try to rush him back. Yeah. But I think, I, especially after reading a lot of reports saying that Demarcus Cousins was killing him practice, that he was begging coaching staff to to let him play. I think it was just a, a time that was like, okay, you know what, Demarcus Cousins, you're healthy. You look like you're ready to play, and that's what it was. I think that's that's what it looked like for me. I mean, one one can argue, but I just feel you know, it's it's better to you know you don't want to you don't want to put yourself in a position of any risk, especially with a guy like the Marcus Cousins. I mean, we've all seen Achilles injury; it just leads to a whole lot of other problems. So for a guy like the Marcus Cousins, who's also a big man, who we don't initially see a big man rupture his Achilles. Mm. I mean, it's just it's gonna be interesting to see how his career plays out. I mean, he was projected you know to get a max contract in the off season. I don't see that happening. I don't know if we're ever gonna get a Demarcus Cousins, the same Demarcus Cousins back. Oh, I, I think I think this is the end of his, you know, little dynasty. Uh, man, I don't. Because a torn Achilles and a and a ruptured quad or a torn quad, quad tendon. I mean, yeah. that's definitely not gonna fare well with your body. But I just Especially like Demarcus. Demarcus. The only bright side to this is that Demarcus Cousins' game is not reliant on his athleticism one bit. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the only plus you can get out of it. If this was a LeBron James who had just torn his Achilles and r- ruptured his quad tendon, you would be talking about this guy like, okay, you're, you're like that's it, you're done. You know, you're not going to be able to blow past by anyone or anything. DeMarcus Cousins is still going to be 6'11", 270. I think he, he'll still be able to have an impact on the team. But, I mean, it's we just got to see, you know. We just got to see. But I want to talk about one series, and one one team I did not expect to grab a win was Orlando. DJ Augustine with a made three, a game-winning three against Toronto at home. I mean, I was watching that game, and I was I was shocked. I was shocked. I mean, Toronto, they're my favorite to, to win it all, and I will say this, they bounced back. I mean, yeah. they bounced back. I mean, they had a, 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 excuse me, a beautiful game, too. Blew out Orlando. But, I mean, shout-out to Steve Clifford. He even said, he said, this game, too, is right after, right after they beat Toronto, he said, this game, too, is going to be the hardest game we're going to have to play all season because Toronto's going to come mm-hmm. – firing shots they're going to be ready so i mean he he knew what was coming but uh orlando they gave they gave toronto a game and i I mean i'm looking at the toronto i'm excuse me, i'm looking at this orlando magic team it's like this team is a well-coached team defensive unit that can play really well and ever since the all-star break they have the second best record in the east yeah so it's like this orlando team might be able to grab one more and i, I think this this series might be able to go to six especially if they're in orlando i don't I see one game or one or two games just going to the wire. And, I mean, you never know what can happen in a close game, especially in the playoffs. I think Orlando, regardless what happens, if they lose 4-1, they exceeded expectations. They got to be proud. Uh, yeah. They, I mean, they should be proud. Me, right. myself, I thought there was no way they grab a game one, especially in Toronto with a guy like Kawhi Leonard, you know, and y- you have Mo Bamba who's out, you know, with a stress fracture. He's been out since, I believe, late January. So I think for Orlando to grab that win, it might 
it might be the thing that l- allows Vukovic to stay. I mean, Vukovic might look into it like, man, this team, they have a lot of guys who are out there, you know, willing to put all, put their all on the line. You had a guy like Michael Carter-Williams who's been balling out since he came. A big reason why this team is in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just been playing phenomenal basketball. And then Vukovic can look at it as, you know, we still have Markel Fultz who's recovering. We're still without Mo Bamba. We still have, you know, draft picks this offseason. We still got a baller like Jonathan Simmons, who I think should be more involved. No, John Simmons, he's with Philly. He's with Philly. He was involved. I I got the wrong team. But good catch. Anyways, I think this Orlando team has got a bright future. I think the moves they made have worked out to their advantage. I know you got a lot. And the good thing is you got a lot of veteran players. You've got a guy like DJ Augustine who's really been leading the way. You got a guy like Vukovic who's been there for a while now to really, you know, for, he can be one of those guys those young guys can learn on, learn off of. He can be a big reason for Mo Bamba's growth. Mm. Which Especially is, as an offensive player. Absolutely, which is why I think they haven't really gave Mo Bamba the minutes that everyone's been looking for. It's more of, you know, a trial type of thing. You know, try to get him bigger, stronger. Because, I mean, that stress fracture, someone can argue he was way too skinny. And Yeah, and that's the thing about Mo Bamba is that even whenever he was first drafted, everyone knew that – this guy heading into the league, he's not going to give you immediate impact. Yeah. And and same thing with Jonathan Isaac. I'm telling you right now, especially on this podcast, Jonathan Isaac is going to pan out as a really good NBA player. Oh, yeah. A, a tremendous NBA player. Can defend. He can score. I mean, he just has to touch up on some things. But right now, this guy, this, the, the the ceiling is – I mean, the ceiling is, is – anyways. Aaron I, Gordon as well. Aaron Gordon as well. I mean, and I want to say this about or about the Orlando Magic team. Last year, this team had the sixth pick in the draft. The sixth pick in the draft. I mean, can we commend them on how well they flipped everything? I mean, we, okay, look, we looked at the Dallas Mavericks. We're like, okay, we expect this team to make the biggest jump in terms of how many wins they're going to jump. You know, the Dallas Mavericks, they had around 20-something wins last season. Yeah. They had 30, 33, 34 wins this season. That's, that's a 12-game jump, you know. But this Orlando Magic team, I mean, they went from being the sixth worst team in the NBA to, to winning 40 games. I mean, and making a playoff push. And now, if I'm if I'm the Orlando Magic, I mean, if Markel Fultz pan outs to be himself, and then you're gonna have a Mo Bamba, an Aaron Gordon, a Jonathan Isaac, I mean, you already have your nucleus of young guys. Whether or not if Vucevic stays or whatever, I mean, that's gonna be up to him. But you should still be happy with what you did this season. The type of dudes that you have around that have bought in. Aaron Gordon's playing phenomenal, 17 and seven, and he can jump out the gym. I mean. And God forbid no injuries to him because he, he, he's a, fi- he's oh, a physical yeah. specimen. I hate injuries. And, I mean, Jonathan Isaac, I, I just touched up on him. Mo Bamba looking like he's going to be, become a really good defensive player even whenever he was playing before he got injured. He, was, he, he, had, an, oh, he yeah. had an impact on defense. So, I mean, and Marco Fultz, I mean, he's a, he's a number one pick. I'm hoping uh, I'm, that. That's the main thing I'm that's, yeah. that You're right. That's the main that's, – Yeah, that, that's, that's that player. It's like – That's the icing on the cake right there. And, and that's the thing. It's like if Markel Fultz pans out to be that number one pick, Orlando thing. Magic have just – they won that trade by a million miles. And they might, they might become that next team where we're like, damn. Like, I don't want to play them in the playoffs. Or, you know, the Vegas odds can be in their favor. I mean, who knows? You got a guy like Markel Fultz, Aaron Gordon – you're going to have Mo Bamba, who I think is going to be a phenomenal. He's going to be a double-double machine in yeah. the league. Blocking machine, you know, in the run for defensive player of the year. You know, I don't want to get too deep into Mo Bamba, hook him horns. But, uh, you know, this Orlando team has got a bright future, and this all relies on how their guys can come back from the injuries and how their players develop. I think that's the only thing. Time 
is the only thing right now that we're waiting for. So we just got to see how that plays out. And, I mean, they're they're definitely in good hands. Yeah, no, yeah. you're right. I think they made stupid decisions, letting go of Tobias Harris, letting go of Alfred Payton, who I think they let go too soon. But, you know, they've, the Victor, made, they've made the Victor, more. The Victor Oladipo trade as yeah, well. Yeah, as well. They've made more better decisions than bad decisions. Yeah, I, and, and they've, they've done well within the draft. I, I definitely agree with you on the trading aspect. I mean, they definitely let go of some guys. I don't know why. They let go of Victor Oladipo, especially for that Serge yeah. Ibaka. Serge Ibaka was in Orlando for, like, I think two weeks maximum, and then he wanted another trade. So, I, I don't know. But, I mean, we've been talking about, you know, a lot of teams with a lot of potential. Let's talk about the Sacramento Kings team. And they just got Luke Walton. I mean, for – for and we, we don't see eye-to-eye eye on Luke Walton and, and his impact that he can have on a roster. But I think me and you can, can – excuse me, me and you can agree on this. He's a hell of a developer. I mean, you look at what Kyle Kuzma did heading into the league – he has tremendously developed his first moment as an NBA player to what he is right now. He's a phenomenal player. Same thing with Brandon Ingram. He took strides. I mean, his third year, wait, his third year, he averaged 17 a game, or was it his fourth year, if I'm not mistaken? But, but right before LeBron James came, I mean, he was, he, he it looked like this guy was going to be an all star. Yeah. yeah, it looked like he was going to be an all star. Lonzo Ball, I know the numbers don't show it, but he had a tremendous defensive year and it looked like he fit in. So I think Luke Wallen is the perfect hiring for this Sacramento Kings team. I think you're going to be able to have a, a coach who can definitely develop players. You know, get yourself uh, get yourself Marvin Bagley and De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Hill. I mean, if you're a coach, that's that's a perfect lineup, especially whenever they're young. And also, I think Luke Wallen is, is a hell of a coach. I think he's a good coach. I think he's the right coach for the Sacramento Kings team is because you look at this Lakers team, and one thing people don't talk about, before they got LeBron James, they were, they were the fastest team in the league in terms of pace and whatnot. They played so fast. And this is going to be the best thing for Sacramento. Yeah. I mean, your your star is De'Aaron Fox. We can argue this. He's the quickest dude in the league. It's, what, it's either him, Westbrook. Quickest and fastest. Quickest and fastest. I mean, he's going to be the head of your offense. You have a sharpshooter in Buddy Heald who's given, he's given them 21 points a game. We're not talking about Buddy Heald. Yeah. Marvin Bagley, a number two pick who fits the system, and a bunch of other dudes, Bogdanovich and – I mean, the list goes on. I can go on about the Sacramento Kings team, but I think it was a tremendous hiring by Sacramento Kings. And I think this – and, I mean, I, I understand that they let go of Coach Yeager, which was – there were some things that you had to dig in deep. But, I mean, I think hiring Luke Walton was the right thing to do. Yeah, actually – so there's more reports that came out with the Yeager situation. It was – you know, he was upset all season that they didn't get Luka Doncic. And that, you know, was the reason why the Marvin Bagley, you know, drama happened. So I see why he's gone. Makes sense now. You know, you got a guy like Marvin Bagley. You don't want him upset and end up leaving after a rookie contract. So overall, you bring in the guy like Luke Walton, which I agree as well. You know, he fits the system. He's more of an open coach. He lets you, you know, figure things out on the court. He's not really going to get up and under you for, you know, your mistakes. He might give you a little talk here and there. I think for a young team, a young coach who can really, you know, slowly build his resume over time, I think he's with the right team. I think you put a guy like Luke Wallen anywhere else with a lot of veteran players, say, for instance, I think even if you put him on the Clippers, I don't think he'll really excel simply because that team is not built the same as this uh, Sacramento team. And he'd, he'd also be success in Doc Rivers. And we, yeah. we got like you're not going to you're not going to match up to what Doc Rivers is. doing. Yeah. 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 I, I used to be one of those guys who felt Doc Rivers was a little overrated. But until he came to this Clippers team, I think what he's doing with this Clippers team to me, I know he won a ring with the Celtics. You had a big three, a super team. I think this is more phenomenal than what he did with the Celtics. That's just how I look at it. I look at it as in a way of not success, but of 
what you can do with no, what you have. No, I no, no. I, 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 I actually agree with you because I look at this, I look at this, that Celtics team, excuse me, and that Celtics team, everyone and their mom knew that they were going to win a ring. Whether yeah. it was in 09 or 010 or whatever it was, they everyone knew they were going to have to win a ring. Because there, there were some times, especially in the conference finals, where KG was injured or Ray Allen did not play as well. So, so there was little things, but everyone knew that they, this team was going to win a ring. But no one expected the Clippers to make the playoffs, even whenever they had Tobias Harris. They let go of Tobias Harris. This team is even playing better. Mm-hmm. And that does not even make sense to me. And so, I mean, and we got to touch up on one thing is that Doc Rivers was the president of basketball operations for this Clippers team. And he was a coach at the same time. So just think about the stress that one has to deal with. Not only are you ahead of the franchise making trades, signing free agents, and you know just scouting and all this stuff, but you're also coaching on the floor. So you got to make sure everyone's happy with their minutes. Everyone's playing well. Look at adjustments. Watch film and whatnot. That's just too much on a coach. So if you look at what he did last year, especially you know, and, and also whenever he had the big three with Chris Paul and whatnot, one can argue that was not the prime Doc Rivers. And and one can even argue that that Clippers team really under they under excelled. I mean, they, they should have been a way better team, possibly even made a finals run. But Chris Paul did get injured some years and Blake Griffin was injured as well. So I mean, one has to put that into uh, into perspective. But other than that, Doc Rivers doing a tremendous job. And if people really want to dig deep, this guy should be a candidate for coach of the year. Oh, definitely. Like. Him or Nate McMillan, I think, should also be in there. Oh, Nate McMillan. Is, I mean, I look at four coaches, and it's like, honestly, I got to throw in Pop as well because Pop doing what he do lost DeJounte Murray but still going to the seventh seed. And now he just gave – I mean, this this San Antonio team was supposed to beat Denver last night. Jamal think, Murray just had a, had a tremendous quarter. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, I look at Coach Bud, who I think is going to win it all because I think, I think flipping that Milwaukee organization, giving them 60 wins and, you know, making them – you know, yeah. poss- the the East front runner to go to the to go to the NBA Finals. It's definitely gonna be coach. Yeah, it, it's but got, a lot of these guys. Had yeah, a great team. But, and I look, also look at Mike Malone. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, a ninth seed Denver. Now they're the two seed, and then you know, I just talked about Doc Rivers, Nate McMillan, and Coach Pop. Those are my five. But I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people in there. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of well coaching going nowadays, but anyone can get it. So you know, speaking of coaching, you know, great seasons. 2019 was. One of the best NBA seasons I've ever watched in terms of, you know, the highlight films, the thrillers, things like that. But what moment of this season really, you know, threw you over the boat? Like where you were like, damn, this is probably the best moment of the 2019 um, season. I have it. And I think like I, I'm, I'm a Mavs fan. Like, you know, so it's going to have to be something with Dirk's last last year and whatnot. But I think the greatest moment was. We're playing the Los Angeles Clippers. Doc Rivers calls a timeout with like seven seconds left, takes a mic and just forces everyone to give Dirk a standing ovation and just applauds him in the middle of the game and just calls him one of the greatest ever. I think as a fan, I've never seen something like that. With Whether it was Kobe Bryant, Michael, you know, you, you heard coaches talk good about him after the game. Yeah. But not during the game. They don't stop the game and give someone a standing ovation and applaud him and whatnot. I think that was the greatest moment at – in, in my point of view, I look at what, what Doc Rivers did. I mean, that was tremendous. Uh, and that kind of made me a little teary-eyed. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, I think that was the greatest moment. There was a lot of great moments. You can One can bring up the buzzer beaters. The All-Star game was Dirk and D. Wade in the draft mm-hmm. and whatnot. A lot of people can bring up a lot of stuff. This this 2019 season was tremendous. I mean, I loved it. Yeah, a lot of it, Yeah, you can bring up anything from D. Rose dropping 52, mm. having a phenomenal season. I mean – Kawhi Leonard showing out in Toronto. I mean, everything just added to this beautiful season. But 
I'm going to sit here and say Derrick Rose was really one thing that, you know, really made me happy to see this season. A guy who was, you know, counted out. They said, you know, he'd never get a big contract, which I think he might earn himself around the $10 million range come his next contract. But, you know, to drop 52, being arguably the second best player on a Timberwolves team where you were doubted out, you know, now you're getting that documentary everyone's been waiting for that came out not long ago. I think that was the greatest moment simply because I myself didn't think we'd we'd be able to see another Derrick Rose average, you know, near 20 points a game. You know, he's given you just under 20 like 18, points 19. a game. And, you know, he's been playing phenomenal. He's been – he's hit, you know, a number of clutch <laughs> shots this season. You know, they didn't make the playoffs. He's battled injuries as well, but it, it has never stopped him. I mean, his game has expanded to the perimeter. He's become a much better shooter. I mean, just overall, Derrick Rose was probably the thing that really stood out for me where I was just like, man, this is why I love basketball. No, 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 no doubt about it. I mean, M- much love to Dirk. That's yeah. my guy. But, you know, no, it's all... because for Derrick Rose, there's a story behind yeah, it. Yeah, Derrick Rose, it came out of nowhere. Yeah. Derrick was like, you know, we expected, we expect the love, we expect the respect. And we got to be honest with ourselves. We know why Derrick Rose got that roster spot in Minnesota. It's because. Tom Thibodeau was the coach, and mm-hmm. like no disrespect, Derrick Rose, but if it was anywhere else, they would have not given him a chance. Yeah. But Tom Thibodeau gave him a chance, let him ball out, do his thing, and I mean he averaged around 17, 18 off the bench and was in contention for six men of the year. So he did a tremendous job, and I, I love the story with Derrick Rose. There were so much things going on. I mean, it it was it was just it was it was a tremendous season. You, someone someone could say Russell Westbrook twenty twenty twenty, especially after Nipsey just yeah. passed away. I mean that was that was a great moment in the season. There were so many things going on. One can even say whenever Mario Hazonja dunks on dunks on Giannis, steps over him. Did and, he really dunk on him? Oh well, yeah, but I mean, I think in Mario Hazonja's eyes, yeah, he probably yeah, thought yeah, that yeah. he just bodied he him. He thought like he, yeah, like took Giannis out the league. So I mean, one one can say that. I mean, there's there's a lot of cool things going on. Um, that's why I think NBA is it's the greatest league. I mean, one can argue Harden. You know, he's balling out 37 a game. You know, we haven't seen that since the Jordan era. But uh, man, this season is definitely gonna be one that goes into the books. The Demarcus Cousins signing. I mean, it all just adds to this historic season. But we all know the outcome. We all know it's between two teams in the West now. It was just the Warriors coming out, but now. It's going to be either Houston, but I mean, overall, this 2019 regular season was phenomenal. It Let's was. Switch, switch the topic. Some football talk. Russell Wilson, highest paid player in the NFL. Did he deserve the big payday? Yeah, he did. I, I think I think he did. I mean, I look at what he did with this Seattle team. They were definitely shorthanded on receivers and whatnot. This team, was they just weren't as talented. And the Legion of Boom is not what it used to be. And Russell Wilson still willed his team to go to the playoffs, 10-6 and six season. I mean, he had the best season of his career. 35 touchdowns and 7 interceptions yeah. with a 111 passer rating. I mean, that's ridiculous. I think he deserves it. He's a Super Bowl champion. Um, I'm just going to keep it simple. Like he, de- I think he deserves it. I think he's one of the premier QBs in the NFL, and he, he is well-deserved. Yeah. I think overall, I think he deserves, you know, one. some might argue he doesn't deserve to be paid over Aaron Rodgers, but I mean – it's all how the team's feeling. You know, they didn't want to pay a guy like Earl Thomas. They had the money left. Why not do it? I mean, he, he said they have until, was it, April 15th? It was 15th. And they, I, think they, I think they signed him April 15th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I, think, I guess it, got, it came out a little late. But overall, I think it's much deserved. He took him to two Super Bowls with the Legion of Boom. But, I mean, he won one. 
One of them, I would say, was kind of his fault. He could have possibly called an audible. I don't, I don't see why they didn't it's, run it at the I, one yard line. It's split. It's split. You got to blame Pete Carroll mm-hmm. as well. That was, and I mean, if I'm, if you have Marshawn Lynch on your team, you're yeah. telling me one yard line, you're not running the ball. Absolutely. So I mean, I mean th- that was just uh, the offensive coordinator, whoever the play, whoever called that play, that was on them as well. Yeah, but I bet it's 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 nice to see him overcome that. I mean, we don't see a lot of guys overcome a loss like that. You know, for the rest of their career. I mean, that comes back to haunt them. It's like, you're at the one yard line. You know, I understand. You know, you, it was bad play calling, but you shouldn't have thrown an interception. I mean, the incomplete pass, and you, you still have your chance to win that Super Bowl. But I think overall, it was much deserved simply because he's one of those quarterbacks who came into the league doubted. You know, too short. You know, he can't throw the football. Mm. He's a running type of guy, but. He's shown that he's one of the best passers in the league right now. You know, like you said, he just came off of a 35-7 and season, one of the highest passer ratings in the league this season. And he's one of the most efficient quarterbacks we've seen in the league. He always He's always healthy. I don't know if he's missed any games throughout his career. He hasn't had a running back since Marshawn Lynch. Legion of Boom is done. Earl Thomas is out. We got a little Cam Chancellor. He's, you know, career-ending injury. You've also got Richard Sherman, who was the best cornerback at one point of the point of the year. Towards He's the out. Yeah. I mean, the only guy who really has a name on their defense, you know, like star star wise, would be uh, Bobby Wagner, right? Bobby Wagner. Yeah. So overall, I think what he's done for Seattle, he's kept them on the map, and Seattle's a sports city. So, I mean, that's that's the move that Seattle had to make. I think you keep a guy like Earl Thomas on, you know, an expensive contract. I don't think that's beneficial simply because he's injury prone and you don't know what he can give you every day. It's like, you know, will I have him next game? You know, will he be Earl Thomas next season? So overall, I think it was smart on Seattle not taking that risk on him. And I think this was this was a good decision for the franchise. Um, okay, I'm not trying to be that dude, but yeah. Can we can we discuss how he's winning off the field too? I mean, he he's with Sierra and I mean uh, I'm not trying to get off topic, but I, and he's a happy man, and I, I'm a I'm a future fan, but I mean he got he got her locked up. He's definitely raising his kids right. You you just take take it. She's got some good insurance too. Oh my! I mean, I, I can go on about this Russell Wilson. I, I mean, but he's winning off the field too. I'm gonna keep it at that. I'm gonna keep things a little PG, but there's there's one problem with all that. I mean, those videos he posts. <laughs> like, those are most the most cringiest videos. I mean, I get secondhand embarrassment. Yeah. I feel embarrassed watching it. Like Russell Wilson, my brother. He, he's he's in love, man. He's that's it. That's that's what happens. Keep, keep that off off the social media, yeah. brother. Keep, keep that keep that at home. Russell Wilson's winning on the field and off the field. I mean, highest paid player in the NFL. And overall, to wrap this topic up, I mean, we both agree he deserves it. Yeah, he deserves it definitely. But there's another man winning. All right. Tiger Woods is explicit back. All right. Tiger Woods, my brother, is back. It's been 11 years. The brother has won the Masters. The green jacket. For those of you who don't know, putting on that green jacket is probably greater than putting on a ring. All right. You you become that man. All right. That green jacket winning at Augusta. It's his fifth Masters. It's been 11 years. Just, man, I think this is one of the greatest comebacks in sports. We can talk about, you know, the Buster Douglas getting knocked down by Mike Tyson, getting back up to knock him out. We can, you know, we can talk about the 
2004 season, Yankees, Red Sox. The Red Sox are down 0-3. They come back to win that series with the Yankees adding the best player in the world that season in Alex Rodriguez. I mean, we can talk about all the comebacks, the Super Bowl, Patriots down 28-3. But I think this one just has more juice behind it. Tiger Woods comes back from three back surgeries, Achilles injury, you know, divorce. You know, people said he's done. He even thought at one point, you know, he's not going to be the same Tiger Woods. To come back, you know, when the odds are against you and, you know, you're not Tiger Woods, to face off against, you know, these great golfers, Jordan Spieth, you got Bubba Watson, Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, who played phenomenal. I mean, the way Tiger Woods did it was just it was a win for the ages and i think you know just putting on the green jacket at the end just it was the icing on the cake man uh i don't know how i can i don't know how i can argue with you after that but i mean tiger woods definitely shout out to him um but i think and I, i'm not trying to be that dude once again but i mean i when i whenever i think of greatest comebacks in sports history i think we got to talk about lance armstrong we talk about someone who's a bicyclist but the man had cancer Cancer, and you know he had a forty percent chance to live. To te- he has t- uh, testicular cancer. Uh, that's a tongue twister. But you know he had he he had he had cancer within the grown man parts of his body, and it eventually spread up to his brain, his throat, and his lungs. And he was given a forty percent chance to live. And you know he he was eventually able to, to beat cancer, which is definitely a task on itself. Yeah. You know you're down, and you, chemotherapy is a whole different whole different battle. And that's one someone cannot endure. I mean, that's one of the worst battles. Not, not, not like I mean, sports is one thing, but chemotherapy is yeah, another thing. And, and given a forty percent chance to live, overcomes that when seven, excuse me, when seven Tour de France's in a row. I mean, I think that's one of the greatest comeback stories in sports. But I mean, no disrespect to Tiger Woods, what he did was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was at one point Tiger Woods was ranked out of the top one thousand in the world. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's ridiculous. But there's a lot of things in sports that you could talk about. I mean, you could talk about the Cavs being down three one with LeBron James doing for doing what he did for mm-hmm. his for his city, and we just talked about Derrick Rose. I mean, that that could be regarded as one yeah. of the greatest comebacks as well. So, other than that, I mean, shout out to Tiger Woods, phenomenal golfing season, and I mean, if if I'm gonna think about my greatest comeback, I just think what Lance Armstrong did was phenomenal. And I know there were some allegations with the steroids and whatnot, and you you probably you're probably gonna get on me yeah. for that. And I mean, I get that, but I just think that. I, I look at it like this. I mean, you came back from cancer, mm-hmm. and that's a whole different battle. So, yeah. I mean. So, see, the thing about the Lance Armstrong, you know, I respect it, you know, the way he came back, but the guy was doping. <laughs> for, for those of people who don't know doping, it's more like, you know, they take your blood out, and then, you know, sort of near, you know, competition time, they put the blood back in, and your stamina level is, you know, they say arguably double. So, when you're going out there with, you know, double the stamina as these other guys, I mean, you have the competitive edge by a mile, not not just an inch, by a mile. I know there's arguably, you know, a, a handful amount of other guys that, you know, do the same thing. But, you know, I, I can't really put that into the same category. You know, he had the decision to, you know, live his life a liar or, you know, come out and, you know, admit to it. And I respect him for what he did. He came out on Oprah and said, yes, I dope. You know, they had no evidence, but he just couldn't keep that within himself. So I respect his character in that term. But the Tiger Woods thing, just it gets to me more because, you know, it's 11 years later. You haven't, you haven't won a Masters since, you know, 2008. You come back. 
and you you know you prove the world wrong. His odds were, I think, what was it, fourteen to one odds to win it, which you know there was a fan that put a eighty-five thousand dollar bet, and it ended up bringing him in one point two million dollars. I mean, that's what Tiger Woods won from this tournament. Tiger Woods is, I think, you know, one can argue either him or Jack Nichols as the greatest golfer of all time. But I'm going to put Tiger Woods in the category because he made golf fun. All these guys who watch golf, I mean, say Jack Nichols and Tiger Woods were playing right now. I guarantee you every 30 fans, every 30 Tiger fans are going to be there to every one Jack Nichols fan. He made golf a nice thing. He made the iconic, you know, red Nike shirt with the black slacks with the, you know, Nike hat. He made the golf video games popular, you know, from the Gatorade to everything. I mean, the guy's a billionaire, you know. His net worth at one point was $1 billion up until that divorce. He has a net worth of $800 million. Who, who known golf can make you that type of money? But I'll tell you one thing. After watching all this, I know how I'm raising my kids. They're they going to be some golfers. That's no They're doubt. They're going to be golfers, boxers, or baseball players. It's like out it, of those three. Yeah, it's one of those. You ain't playing football, basketball. Your chances are too slim. But I'm going to have a golfing prodigy in I'm one gonna of those. I'm going to have a six-foot-six six son that's going to be a golfer. I, I can't have him on the court. See, you got to – it's got to be a little smaller than that. Six I mean, I'm six. tall. I'm a tall, I'm yeah, a tall dude. See, six foot six, you're gonna have to, you know, throw him into. The, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like this. My dad is six seven, and I'm six six. Yeah. I'm assuming my son's gonna be six five. Hey, marry you a five footer. Hey, my mom's right. a five footer. Ba- so. Balance it out. <laughs> my mom's out. a five footer. So. See, the odds may not be against you, but man, you can always look into adoption, things <sighs> like that, all that good stuff. Yeah. But overall, Tiger Woods is back. We're back on this Wednesday morning, but we gotta go. We gotta go. Sports decaf. It's your boy, the man of the hour, Thought of Abdullah. What's up, guys? All right, peace out, guys.